Hello, welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we're talking about Samstown by The Killers, released in 2006 under Island Records. And my guest is the host of the Pick a Disc podcast, Matt. Welcome, Matt. Hey, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for coming. And Matt, the Pick a Disc podcast, how long have you been doing that for? I've been, I started January of 2019. So yeah, we've given up to nearly two years now. So yeah, two years. <laughs> two years. And how did you like, so what started it? How did you get into it? How did, why did you want to go in and create this podcast? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but the basis of your podcast is very similar to ours, where you and a guest kind of come on and you just talk about whatever album the, the guest wants to at that point. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much uh, whatever they want to sp- talk about. Um, it's purely mainly because one, I'm uh, quite like uh, understanding what people, why people like what they like, um, and ninety nine point well hundred percent of the time, guests have, have picked albums to talk about of that they like, and it's always quite nice to find like um, how they discovered artists and when they seen them live and stuff. So I've always been kind of in- interested in that. And in terms of the podcast itself, it was it was the second time I tried to do it. I tried to do it many many years ago in like 2015 16 my friend tony who who kind of runs the podcast network i'm part of um had a movie podcast called pick a flick um which kind of was similar but um he'd have listeners submit um movies and then there'd be kind of a rotating roster of people on the on the um on the podcast talking about the films that watching the films and talking about them and i had a backdoor pilot um for pick a disc which appeared on the actual pick a flick uh, um feed and i think what it was as well i was struggling to try and get like people to suggest albums but um so someone suggested nick cave and someone suggested kate and crows and my guests were my friend lee and my friend dawson who um who i knew were big fans of the said bands it was it was good that the get the two guests i had knew about the podcast whereas on the on pick a flick the two people could just listen watch the film Right, and then any and if they've never watched it before, they still get a good podcast about it. I was like, I want to just get the guests to choose. Yeah, so much yeah. easier. Just like yeah. you already yeah. love the album, absolutely. Then my friend Tony, who used to do Pick a Flick, had um, two episodes in, set up his own podcast network, and said, "Oh, do you want to be on this?" And then there's been like a miniature community kind of helping each other. So like occasionally, guests from the network come in, and it kind of helps it boost and uh, been pretty much connecting with like other music podcasts on on Instagram and stuff, which is where I found, which is where I found this one. I just kind of occasionally, I don't want to say stalk, but just read <laughs> through the music podcast hashtag um, on our Instagram to um, one, to see if there's any others and two, to basically scalp any competition. Um, <laughs> oh, and, I see. Uh, so that's yeah. how it started. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm actually here to sabotage, but. Um, ah, I see. Noted. Noted. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's been good. So. Yeah, it's been good. And honestly, I'm just so happy to have you here. Like you've been, again, you've been such a huge supporter of our podcast. You and I connected a while ago on on Instagram. Um, and I really appreciate you listening to the episodes and, and being involved. Um, so thank you so much. Um, and I feel like I also have to address the fact that you have a really sick accent because you're joining us from, you're joining us from Birmingham, UK, right? Yeah, um, all the way in the center of it, which makes uh, it's always weird when people say to sick accent or have comments <laughs> on the accent it's anyone who's not english who compliments on the accent it's a great um, accent though it's a great I, I it's a great accent regionally no because uh, <laughs> but uh, so, so I'm, I'm based in birmingham but i'm just from um, just slightly north in a place called warsaw which is in the black country mm. so the black country accent is slightly slightly thicker so it's um it's a lot more broad and um basically um when i've been to a couple of festivals there's been quite a few of us um, from different parts of the country meeting up in the festivals and 
there's been about three or four of us that are pretty much concentrated that used to be in the centre of this, uh, the Black Country area of the West Midlands. And like we'll start talking and everyone else who props only like half an hour down the road just look at you and going, what the hell are they talking about? Like, <laughs> it's so great to have you on. I'm so glad you were able, you and I were able to connect and to talk to somebody who's in the UK is huge and, and a milestone for the podcast. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you today. And if anyone wants to listen to Pick a Disc, uh, they can find you on Instagram and Twitter, correct? Yeah, what's on Facebook, but all that does and is Facebook? just copy. <laughs> all that does is just copy whatever I put onto Instagram at the moment. So two two main places. I mean, I'm probably most active on Instagram. Ideally, if you actually want to listen to the podcast, then you can just type pick a disc in any you podcast podcast in any welcome to the podcast matt yeah, what happens I've, I've only had, i mean i've not had that much of that already um and if you want to find me on your podcast app of choice then you can just type in pick a disc and you'll see like a little vinyl shaped thing with the word pick a disc on there which will help you identify it as pick a disc okay well matt mm-hmm. what do you say uh, again thank you for coming i'm so excited to have you here what do you say we uh, get into a little bit of history on the killers and the samstown album and then we'll start mm-hmm. talking about the songs Okay, so Matt, you've listened probably to our uh, other two episodes on The Killers. We've done two episodes. We've done one on Hot Fuss, one on Battleborn. So this is our third time talking about The Killers on the podcast. So clearly I like them. It's no surprise. <laughs> um, and I know that you're a big fan as well. Um, so for the sake of our listeners and not sounding like a broken record on the podcast, I'm going to, instead of giving a full history of the band and how they came together, uh, I'm going to give more of a history on Samstown in general. So just a quick reminder on who the Killers are. They're an alt-rock band from Las Vegas, Nevada. We've got Brandon Flower singing lead vocals, playing the keyboard, Ronnie Venucci Jr. on drums, Dave Kooning on lead guitar, and Mark Stormer on bass and rhythm guitar. The album Samstown that we're talking about today is the follow-up to their huge debut album, Hot Fuss, and Samstown was released on September 27, 2006. It was recorded immediately following their first tour, and Brandon Flowers has said he wanted the second record to capture everything important that got me to where I am today. The album's title track ties back to the Samstown Hotel and Gambling Hall in Las Vegas, a view that bassist Mark Stormer grew accustomed to outside his window. So he grew up seeing the Samstown sign outside of his window, which I thought was a cool fact. I did not know that. About 10 years ago, I think I was, uh, me and a couple of friends were kind of road tripping through America and we went through Vegas and I was trying to see whether we went past it and I don't think we did. I think we stayed on the strip and it's not... I say it's not far. My comprehension of what not far is in, in <laughs> so it's probably like about down the road or something. It's, but I, I thought we passed it, but I don't think we did in the end. I was trying to figure out where it was. It just means you got to go back to Vegas once COVID is over. True. The first single off Samstown was one of the killer's most popular songs to date, which is When You Were Young. It gained the band two Grammy nominations for Best Rock Song and Best Short Form Music Video. The following singles were just as successful. Uh, They were Bones, Read My Mind, and For Reasons Unknown. Critics, however, were very divided on the record. Uh, Notably, harsh reviews came from Rob Sheffield from Rolling Stone, and he gave the album two stars, felt that the band was copying Bruce Springsteen, and Sia Michael of the New York Times referred to the album as painful, which I was like, like, ah, this is very aggressive that's, for an album that painful. I love. That's a, a pain. <laughs> painful description of that con critic, I think. Yeah, exactly. It was, I was yeah. like, oh, that's incredibly harsh. The album did very well in the charts, though. It debuted at number two on the Billboard 200, and it sold 315,000 copies in its first week of release. And it went platinum or better in the US, UK, Australia, Canada, and Ireland. Huge record. I'm so excited to get into it. Before we do that, though, Matt, um, you and I have been slurring our words up until now, right off the bat. So I think that yeah. means we have to give the listeners a little bit of insight as to what we're drinking on the pod today. We're drinking a bone cocktail. <laughs> Did you just smell it? <laughs> yeah. I think it has the same effect as, in, as drinking it, I think. So. 
the reason why we're drinking a bone cocktail today is uh, as per track number eight on the record, one of my favorite songs actually, which I'm excited to talk about, which is called Bones. Um, so if you want to drink along with us today, all you'll need is bourbon. You need two shots of that, half a shot of lime juice, half a shot of simple syrup, and three dashes of hot sauce, which at first I was like, I don't know if I'm going to put hot sauce in my drink, but then I did it and I'm like, it, I can do it. I, like it, it's okay. Like I made it work, you know? I'm, you- I'm not I'm not much of a cocktail drinker, if I'm completely honest. So I thought, you know, it's Sam's town, so I thought it might be effort. So I appreciate you attempting it. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So usually, usually any any time I end up having kind of like anything that was whiskey or things I'm not drunk that much or I've not tried before, um, my friends usually end up filming me because comically I usually have like a very visible reaction. There is a video of me um doing a <laughs> from Vegas actually. Um <laughs> took a shot and there's a video of me going yeah, and basically, the, any, anyone who can't see this, just uh, it's just me recoiling really badly. And oh, no. that, that, that video clip gets brought up a bit. <laughs> and I mean, like, we've all been there. It's okay. Yeah. It happens. It happens. Yeah. I'm just happy you're here. I'm happy you're drinking it. So cheers, Matt. Thank you no for worries. coming on the pad. Much appreciated. I said on the pad, I think, to be fair, I have full disclosure, it's like 11 a.m. in Canada, so it's a little bit a little bit early for me to be drinking this, but that's fine. You know the old visage that it's always five o'clock somewhere? It's half four here, so it's... Perfect. Some people finish work at this time, so... Exactly, so it's <laughs> yeah. all good. You're on We're Birmingham fine. time. You're revisiting your... I'm on you're Birmingham time. time. The Killers are a very important band to both of us, I think. Mm-hmm. So what I would love to talk to you about now is how you started listening to the Killers, why you like them, and just your overall feelings on Samstown overall before we get into the specifics of the songs. Probably first thing to probably mention first is, because um, I, I re-listened to your Hot Fuss episode um, a couple of days ago, and I think your guest, mm-hmm. Tiff, was it Tiffany? Was guest yeah, it was Tiff, yes. yeah. Yeah, um, said that I think she kind of started phasing out after Samstown. I have, I have a kind of similar thing, but with Day and Night. So a lot of the kind of importance of the killers is tied to a certain era. So the killers are kind of in a very certain time and period in my life and are very quite important for that. Um, and I do remember quite vivid, like I do remember kind of not the day, but I do remember when, where, well, not, not particularly roughly when, but um, it was in the sixth form common room um, and I was in year 13, which um, I was either 17 or 18, which is, and it was my final year of um, uh, secondary. Was in, so, yeah, and there was like, a, it was in the, the common room and um, there's like a radio that was there and it's usually kind of, okay, we'll just put radio one on. Um, so it'd be like Mark and Lard or Chris Moyles and then you'll have some, and then you'll have like the other half of the, <laughs> the common room turn it come and go, oh, this is crap and then turn it on to like Kiss FM and playing kind of like drum and bass and R&B and all that. I can kind of remember, I kind of remember, I think um, Radio 1 was playing and there was playing, I think, um, there was playing this one song and it kind of like, it was new, but it had kind of like an 80s feel to it. At this time, I was still kind of, it was either kind of Blink-182 or Eminem and D12 that I was listening to and I was listening oh, to a lot more. So yeah, so it's basically, I was, I was listening to a lot more rap, a lot more rap, like pretty much any kind of teenage white boy in the middle of the UK would be listening to, they, they for some reason was into rap music. Um <laughs> I did kind of like like stuff like um, Human League or um, Transvision Vamp, or kind of an eighties kind of new More wave. Synth-y. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So kind of this song started playing, and it was kind of like it sounded like that. But then there was like guitars and stuff, and it, so it was kind of like oh, so it's it's like a it's kind of like Blink One Two, but not. But there's like guitars in it. But there's also kind of like a new wave synth to it. This is weird. This is what is this? And um, it was somebody told me. Mm. Um, and I think that was the first single they released over here. And I was like, who are these? And, I, and quite a few of my friends were kind of into them as well. Um, but I had a couple of friends who were kind of more into the kind of growing indie scene that was developing at that point because there was, because the killers were kind of part of this 
indie scene that were growing up at the time. You're like your Franz Ferdinand and your Razor Lights and all that kind of stuff. Did you think, when you first heard them, did you think they were British? I don't know. I, I never really give much, much thought. Oh, I just know that that's like a common, like when the Foot Killers first came out, I think a lot of people thought they were British. Like they had almost a very UK sound. Um, Yeah, because I think at the time as well, the the big, the other kind of big bands that were coming out, there was uh, Franz Ferdinand was coming out with that kind of indie sound, but not much of the new wave 80s influence, but just getting that kind of like post, not post rock, but uh, kind of posting like kind of 80s influenced Rock yeah. into like a, what, what what will eventually become um, what I think Voice magazine would refer to as landfill indie. Um, <laughs> landfill indie, oh boy. I think it was a case then, this was the rise of um, Kazar and LimeWire and peer-to-peer yep. file-sharing websites, which I never never used. Um, <clears throat> um, and then it was just a case of like all these like singles and EPs coming up. And for ages um, on MSN Messenger, um, we'd be sharing um, kind of, the mp3s of like somebody told me i think somebody told me on top oh there was another one of, um, indie rock and, oh yeah glamorous, glamorous indie, indie rock, and roll. rock and roll um because i think that was original was greece and there was a fourth song who let you go that was it oh who let you go yeah because i remember it was those it was those four songs that kind of led me to led us to kind of listen to it a lot and then grew from there overall you're a killers fan you like the samstown record you like the killers Overall positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I say I, I, I don't think I've listened to like the last two albums. I've not really listened to them at all. So I've not really. They've kind of gone. I think other bands that I've discovered um, after them have kind of overtaken kind of my interest and time, or listening time, so to speak. So, but right. I've always had a soft spot for them. But aside from aside from an episode of my own podcast that I recorded on Wednesday, um, since we arranged the recording, Sam's Town has pretty much been on repeat nonstop. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, and it's like. It's just something just clicked, so yeah. I kind of I've kind of regressed to my early twenties. I was like, oh, <laughs> I love it though. No, I love yeah. it. I'm I'm excited to hear about uh, your experiences <clears throat> with the record. I'll give you a little bit of a lowdown. Um, again, like our listeners have heard it two times over, so I won't really get into it. But I've always been a big fan of the Killers. Um, but I think it was this album that took me from you know, liking them, hearing them on the radio and being like, yeah, they're cool to just being super invested in them. Um, And I think for me, it's because they hit a point where they defined who they were and they've gone through an evolution. Like you mentioned, albums like um, Battleborn and, you know, Wonderful, Wonderful that came after it were very different if you compare that to the Hot Fuss era or the Samstown era. But I do actually like the fact that they're a band that has eras. Like they have these definable moments in time where you listen to their records and you know what they're going through and what they want to focus their energy on. And I feel like with Samstown, it was like that middle ground between, you know, they weren't quite these mature father types that they reach in the Battleborn era, but they're not the the hungry like 20-year-old boys anymore in the in the mm-hmm. Hot Fuzz era. So there was a layer of maturity and there was a layer of diving into more of what influenced them. And what I think of is the Americana and kind of the Bruce Springsteen type. Yeah blue collar vibe yeah in my head i've got kind of like a doctor who analogy where um, brandon flowers pretty much ends the hot fuss era with simon Le bon and then suddenly regenerates into bruce springsteen and then it's like a new showrunner and then like a new vibe and stuff so he got so he goes from the, the duran duran kind of influence to yeah. kind of okay the, okay i've done all the british heritage all the british influence and let's i want to show you what i like from where i come from and then basically learns to grow facial hair Yeah. (laughs) No, but that's a really good, it's a good analogy. I feel like, yeah, there's sound, but there's always, what I like is that there's always allusions, Mm. even on their later records to 
their past, to their past mm-hmm. songs, to their past albums. They'll always like dive back into it. So it, it is still fairly linear, even though they go through all these like, you know, peaks and valleys. You can tell a killer song yeah. on Listen To It, no matter what album you listen to. And 100%. I think that, and I think that shows consistency throughout. No, I totally yeah. agree with you. I think you're right. They're very they have an identity and they they stick to it even though they they change it around yeah. um what i'm also excited about like I, I love that we're talking about this album today i'm a huge fan of any kind of sophomore record because i feel like when you put out a big album like hot fuss which was a smash hit you know in the uk in north america basically propelled them into stardom with something like mr brightside which to date is still one of the biggest songs in the entire world you yeah. have so much to prove coming back with a second album like you have to be like okay not only can we deliver another huge uh, collection of hits, but we have to almost top ourselves because then otherwise we're going to disappoint people. So I feel like, and we've done a lot of sophomore records on the pod. We've talked about um, Babel, Mumford and Sons, I Like It When You Sleep, 1975. Like we've done, we've done a, a big collection of them because I do feel like it's when artists put in some of their best work when they're trying to one up themselves. I do love this record. I think a lot of their true strengths as a band were revealed in Samstown. Yeah, this is like this is one there. of the best records. Yeah. Yes. So, so excited. Amazing. <laughs> All right, Matt, where do you want to start the conversation today? What is a song that really stands out to you on this record? No, let's start out with the hit. Let's start out with When You Were Young. Oh, my favorite. My favorite on the record, 100%. Yeah, why do you like this song? I mean, after hearing it for about several, several times, like on repeat for like the last few days, um, I've kind of like, I've, kind of, I've never really had much of opinion of it. I just like the sound of it and kind of like how mysterious the lyrics are and it's only been since like I've been kind of deep kind of like okay I need to actually be able to hold a conversation about these songs in a lot more detail <laughs> I've actually started to have a better appreciation of the song than I perhaps did previously I think it's one of these things where I think like Mr. Like Mr. Brightside like Mr. Brightside where on the surface it's kind of a throwaway kind of indie pop song whereas but if you look into it you if if you take the time, you can actually appreciate how much of a very clever and very well uh, skilled songwriter Brandon Flowers is. It's it's catchy. It's got those kind of like kind of weird kind of lines that litter throughout the yeah. killer songs, like uh, like for example, "Are you human or are you dancer?" Which people go, huh? And yeah. So I think of, it's like it doesn't look a thing like Jesus is up there as well. But yeah. Um. But that song, I just think when you look into it, it's just um, it's just like a fascinating song which i think you can highlight to just how strong he is as a songwriter i totally agree um this is definitely my favorite song off the record the the thing i have to mention right off the bat is uh during the day and age era of the killers they performed at royal albert hall and i have that performance on dvd and that is worth every single penny even though day and age is not my favorite killers record like they obviously dip into mr brightside and like songs from samstown hot fuss during that time as well and the performance of when you were young they saved to the very end it's like their closer at royal albert hall and like man that that venue is on my bucket list for sure if i ever get back to the uk like that's the first place i'm going i gotta book a sh- <laughs> go see somebody there because i've seen amazing footage of the killers of adele like <clears throat> bring me the horizon like bands who have like taken that stage and made it their own and given something to the crowd that like has no words in in my opinion even just watching it on youtube in in toronto like a million miles away um i have to recommend that performance to anybody who hasn't seen it yet as soon as that guitar comes in like that like like i just lose it i think it's like you said it's very catchy it's very indie pop but it's got definitely some heart to it i think for me the song is about making concessions for people who maybe you you didn't think that you would be attracted to, didn't think that you would fall in love with. And, you know, that goes along with the, he doesn't look a thing like Jesus, but he talks like a gentleman. 
gentleman. That's kind of where my mind goes. And I felt like that tied into the video nicely because it's one of my favorite music videos of all time as well, which is very like telenovela. You know, there's like, uh, there's a couple who's married and then the, the wife gets cheated on. And it's this like whole dramatic thing. Great video if anyone hasn't seen it. Um, and for me, the best part of the song has got to be the bridge. The They say the devil's water, it ain't so sweet. Mm-hmm. That part is like, lives rent-free in my mind, you know, like it's always, yeah. it's always there. I just, the way that that's written and, and to your point about Brandon being a great songwriter, like it's almost like me, like listening to this and being like, who, who thinks of this? Like, how does this just like come into his mind and like appear onto paper? You know, it's just, it's, it's mystical in a way. It will be my favorite killer song. I don't think they can ever top that song for me personally. I can't remember when I first, if I ever saw the music video first, but I think it was... Oh, you got to watch it. I, I, I watched it a couple of days ago and that kind oh, okay. of... And that kind of helped me appreciate my reading of it. And um, my, my understanding of it is that it's like between like a fantasy and reality. And I think the... So like you get an impression of what a relationship might be um, versus the reality. One of the more low-key best scenes in cinema fiction in cinema is um, 500 Days of Summer where you, the screen splits off and you yes. have you have fancy and reality performance I was like Mark Webb get out of my head um, yeah <laughs> yes. and like and I'm pretty sure every single person was like crap I think we can relate to that but I think it's not it's about a reaction of it so like at the start you've got so you've got like your um your female protagonist of the song that the narrator's singing about, realizing I'm breaking up with a partner and kind of like dealing with heartbreak, which happens in the music video. But the music video, I believe, is kind of like um, in mixed chronological order, so you can yes. see the things in different points, pieces. But then, like um, perhaps not mo- not taking the time to move on properly, and then moving on to like the next person that walks on, and the doesn't look a thing like Jesus, but talks like a gentleman that you imagined it's kind of like where perhaps you had like a vision of what your perfect partner would be when you were younger saying oh one day i'm going to meet this so and so and so and so they probably don't exist but like you have this image yeah. of what they are and then when the next person comes in like okay you've had your heart breaking and someone needs to repair it and you latch on too quickly and i think the doesn't the thing like jesus there's probably there's probably readings of it which link to the christianity bit but i see it as a metaphor for faith where you have kind of this faith that one day you'll meet someone who's right for you and it matches who you want in a partner and i think that um, that's like a personal Jesus for someone or a personal savior for someone. Right. And the whole devil's water, it ain't no sweet. Devil's water. And it I just forgot. So what... sweet. <laughs> I think you might have just, I think you, I think that line, you just nicked it from mine because I couldn't remember what the second line was. <laughs> it's okay. um, and I think that, I think that line actually kind of alludes to the fact that you don't need to jump in that quickly take a moment you can jump in but just take a step you back you don't have to drink right yeah. now yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but then but then I think the song kind of alludes that they're just going to drink it anyway and carries on the clever bit which I kind of and this is my take on it and is that if you put this song on repeat the same woman is just it's progressively the same woman going through multiple partners so interesting so, so by the time she meets someone at the end of the song if you listen to the if you listen to the song again on repeat then the song is about the person she just met on the last time that she's listens to the song and it's someone repeating the same mistake over and over it might just be me that believes that but bloody hell, i quite like that <laughs> i quite like to think that that's the uh I, I like to think that's his intention. I love it. That's a very interesting take. I think that's a, yeah. I'm I'm going to try listening to it back to back to back and see see what happens cuz I think that's a yeah. very interesting way to look at it. So glad that you were starting off with that one, Matt. I'm going to go and I'm going to take us to Bones. So we've got our bone cocktails in hand today. I felt like it was only fitting I have to talk about bones. You probably don't know this about me, Matt, but anyone who's close to me does know that I have a, a very big obsession with skulls. Uh, I actually have a skull tattoo. 
which I don't know if you can see, but I love this song. Mostly I love it because I think the music video is so strong. If anyone hasn't seen the music video, it's basically uh, the killers are performing at like a drive-in and there's like a couple, a young couple like in the car watching the killers perform, but then they also like go to the beach and anytime they get vulnerable with each other, it's like they're, they're kind of like ripping off their face and they become skeletons. And then eventually the band kind of starts forming into, you know, skeletons like Brendan turns into a skull head and like with his sunglasses still on. It's very well done. It's very cool. And I just appreciate that because I love that imagery. It's super fun. It's super synthy. Um, and there's like these very ominous backing vocals. Like the, the opening of the song is like this, come with me. And it's like kind of operatic almost, mm-hmm. um, which you don't expect because then it goes into the synthy keyboard parts and you're like, wait a minute, I don't <laughs> know where we're going with this. So it's a little bit all over the place in that regard as well. And it's just kind of like a fun kind of spooky track, but it's also very simple and primal where it's just a song about attraction. The, the main point, like the main line in the song is, don't you want to feel my bones on your bones? Don't you want to feel my skin on your skin? So it's got that very simple element to it, but I think they went about it in a creative way, which is why I like it. Yeah. I think, um, I think cause I was reading through, um, genius as well. There was, a, I think apparently someone's made the reading of it that Brandon Flowers grew up in a, a Mormon community. Yes. Yeah, and um, someone's made it that someone has the interpretation um, that it's about kind of uh, two Mormon children who who are kind of like quite close to one another, got like physical attraction to each other, but kind of either aren't allowed or can't, yeah. or society says that they can't really like connect, whereas like they've got this growing kind of like adolescent lust growing between each other. Yeah, and um, and again, again, that's something I've actually picked up when I've been reading to the song song um, this last week, and it kind of it kind of makes sense. I mean, it goes from kind of like a kind of gimmicky pop song that, again, going back to when we were young, that superficial listening. Oh, it's a good song. It's about I don't know. It's about like bones <laughs> boning and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, the second time I saw them and was in tw- was in 2012 at the LG Arena in Birmingham, which is the big, big, big one um, outside the city centre. Yeah, and um, it was um, Halloween, so it was 31st of October. I went to see them. Oh my and, gosh! Um, I, I double checked this on setlist setlist.fm. Actually, I think it was the only set where they started with Bones. So, uh, oh, because they had they would have had to for Halloween. Are you kidding? That's yeah. like my dream. Yeah, it's like you walked you walked in and I think walked in and then there was this whole thing, the screen just like showing kind of like I think a clip from well, it was just like the word bones from the music video, right? Um, just on repeat, on repeat. It changed when Tegan and Sarah came out, but when it came back in, they had uh, the killers come in and they opened up with that one straight away. So that's um, awesome. So I, yeah, so I kind of always remember that bit when I so that kind of gets tied into that kind of live music memory of them. Yeah, I don't think I saw them in, uh, I think I want to say I saw them in 2015 here in Toronto. It was the Wonderful Wonderful Tour. Oh, no, not 2015. What am I saying? 2017-ish. And I don't think they played Bones. And I remember being like bummed because it's one of my, it's one of my favorite killer songs. And again, because of the connection I have with like the skull imagery, like it was, I was kind of like, ah, oh, like that was like a bit of a miss for me. But they're still, they're amazing, amazing lives. So mm-hmm. still an experience that I will hold very dear to my heart forever. Where's the next place you want to take us? Um... I want to briefly uh, talk about uh, "Read My Mind," mainly because oh, yes. uh, mainly because I, I watched the video and I completely forgot that the video was filmed in um, Tokyo. And yeah. about, even, about two and a half years ago, I actually went on like a small group tour to Japan, uh, oh, no way. and I was I was in Tokyo. And there's a bit which looks like a Chibuya crossing, but I don't think it is because you're not allowed to film there. But uh, unless unless that was unless it wasn't, they've changed the rules. But I was just there going. <gasps> Bloody hell, they've gone. It's like they filmed in the Kabuki Cho um, district of Tokyo, which is like an entertainment district. Oh. Um, and I was actually there on my last night because we 
went to this place called the Robot Restaurants, where there's just like massive, like kind of robot dinosaurs and <laughs> just fight each other while you're eating like food and stuff. Amazing. Um, yeah, so they actually filmed in that bit where I was there. I was like, bloody hell, I think I remember that street. <laughs> so <laughs> That's I was like, awesome. But, all, but it also, it's got like one of my favourite Killers lyrics in there as well. Again, because it's like, is it the second verse where it starts off with funny how you just break down waiting on some sign? Yeah. Um, and I with like magic soak in my spine. And I'm like, I think a friend of mine, I think pretty much the last um, MSN messenger name he ever had before we kind of... Stopped using messenger. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was pretty much that line was his like... Uh, MSN name for like probably a month since we just moved on to something else. The, and what's interesting is like, I feel like I still don't know essentially. And so maybe you can shed some light on this, but I still feel like I don't understand what the song is about, which I don't think is a bad thing because it makes every time I listen to it a different experience based on like what I need from the song. And, and the reason why I'm saying I don't necessarily understand it at times is I feel like when I look at the lyrics, there's all these different pieces that he kind of, that Brandon kind of threw into it. So he says like, uh, the good old days, the honest man, restless heart, the promised land, broken wrist, a big trapeze, a teenage queen, a loaded gun, the drop dead dream, the chosen one. Like, I feel like he pulls, pulled them out of his head and put them onto paper, but I don't know if I necessarily like have a clear cut story like I do in Bones or like I do in When You Were Young. But I think one of his strengths is that I think there's a lot of interpretation in terms of a lot of what you can take with um, his like songwriting in general. But one thing strength is like, I think he throws in a lot of stuff for, to be able for you to fill in the gaps. So, right. and what I, th- what, what I get from this is like an air of kind of nostalgia looking back on it and the closest analogy I've got is the Brian Adams song um, Summer of 69 where, oh okay but, but, Canadian well, I, yeah <laughs> where, I feel like um, say, say, for, say for example in this like uh, I don't know in the music cinematic universe that I've just created you've got Brian Adams and Brandon Flowers in the same kind of in the same school year of 1969 um, Brian Adams is the band is kind of the kind of like person who was in a band when he was in high school Brandon Flowers is the, kind of the poetry geek and the kind, and I feel like I feel like there's a lot of similarity in that they're kind of reflecting on a previous or like a nostalgic of where they used to be. Interesting. No, that's I. I probably never would have tied Brian Adams to, but I mean, like now that I think about it, he kind of carries a similar energy that the Killers, like the, again, this Americana, this true Americana era of the Killers has. Yeah, a, a new way that I'm going to think about it for sure. It mm-hmm. is a great song. Like overall, I think it's one of their most recognizable songs um again it's got that little bit of synth to it and it's catchy it's got a great hook it's got a great melody so i i do think it's a very strong song overall and sometimes it's just like good for me to just have on and like listen to it and just sing along to it and not really care about diving deep like it's Mm -hmm. more so just like i can just listen to it enjoy it without having to analyze everything yeah 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 i love the use of interludes on this record and i actually Mm -hmm. i have to full disclosure I have a history on the podcast of hating when bands try and do any kind of interlude. Um, <laughs> but if if they are to do it, this is how I want it to be done with yeah. Interlude, which is the second track on the album, and then Exitlude, which is the final track on the album. And basically for anyone who uh, you know hasn't seen the track list, it's it's basically like a welcome track and then kind of a goodbye track. The big part of the songs or both of the songs is we hope you enjoy your stay. And then at the end, they change it to the past tense, like we hope you enjoyed your stay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to have you with us, even if it's just for the day. And to me, what that signals is like, you know, we're, we're happy to have you here. Even if you don't like the record, even if you maybe only like one or two songs on the record, we're just happy that you're joining us. And it's, it's good to have you with us, basically. Um, and I read an interesting story also through Genius. Um, Brendan did an interview with NME, and he was saying how he had a dream about Kurt Cobain on a ship singing this melody. 
And that's how, that's where he got the hook from. But then the actual lyrics came from a key card in a hotel that said, we hope you enjoyed your stay. And I just think that that's so cool. Like that's so rock star to be like, yeah, I took a key card and I took my Kurt Cobain dream and I like put it into a song and called it a day. You know what I mean? Um, and I've Brains always- two all over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just think, I honestly think it's so, uh, it was so well done and I felt like it brought you into the record in such a unique way. And then at the end, it like, tied a bow on it and then was like, oh, the record's over. Like you had a very clear cut final track that let you be like, ah, and now I'm done listening to Sam's Town and it was very finite. Yeah, I think it's not a concept album, but it kind of encompasses what you're listening to as a... um as a deliberate kind of like uniting theme throughout all of them. So say, so again, if I go back to kind of the idea that um, he's morphing from Simon Le Bon to Bruce Springsteen, it's, they're going to be different. They're going to look a bit different. So like, yeah. it's like seeing an, seeing an, an old friend you've not seen for a couple of years and then like, oh, you've got hair or you've got, or you've got this hair. <laughs> you've got, you're bald now, what the hell? Um, and there's something about different with them. They look more mature, they're a bit different and like, and you're just starting to get to know each other and I'm like, yeah, we're the killers, but come right in. I just want to introduce you to where I'm living now and it's um, it's Americana rather than kind of glitzy glam. Yeah. And glitzy glam and flashy lights and stuff and um, yeah, we, I hope you enjoy what you're going to listen to for the next like uh, nine songs uh, and then at the very end it's like, well, I hope you enjoyed it. So and then bug off. I need to <laughs> <laughs> need to go work on the next <laughs> <Go> record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go away. I want my house back on. <laughs> As we all do when we have yeah. company over. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Or just I, stare at the watch going. <laughs> is now is now the right time? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm totally with you. I, I I really do like these two songs together. And like I I will always hold those two tracks as my standard for if you're gonna do a concept album, if you're gonna do any kind of record, make it useful like the way Killers did in Samstown. Yeah. If it comes in at the middle and I have no idea why the hell it's in there, I'm I'm going to hate it. But <laughs> and I will. And I've been open about that on the pod. There's some interludes on Blonde that I remember hating, like Frank Ocean, who I have so much respect for. And I was like, why the hell did Frank Ocean put this on the record? You know what I mean? Like harsh opinion. What's where do you want to go from here? What's the next song you want to talk about? Um, I feel we definitely need to talk about the title track. Yes, we do. Let's go to Samstown. Okay, this might be this might be my second favorite album of all time, um, but. Perhaps it's it's probably low, it's lower down in the top ten of my f- best favorite opening tracks of an album, but but considering how many albums they are, it still means it's really good um, as a way of opening the t- an album. It starts off with a familiar kind of hint of hot fuzzy synth, yes, kicking in before you have the bass coming in, and then kind of like dun dun, and you're like, ooh, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Yeah, it's and like then, it almost it's yeah. like it's showing the evolution right then and there. Yeah, I was just I think it was just more or less at the end of the day. Um, at the end of the day, I was about to leave work to go home when you pretty much we agreed on Samstown. Yeah. Um, so it was like about just quarter past five, half five, um, my time. And um, I was going to listen to podcasts. podcast. I was, no, okay, what the hell? I'll, I'll start putting Samstown on. And it's probably the first time I listened to the album, started listening to the album the first time and putting it out to my work car park. And all <laughs> dun, dun. Right. So in traffic, in, in traffic, we're going up to, going up to the motorway going, nobody ever had a trip. And, immediate, and immediately, muscle memory i started singing Kicked it on my voice yeah, yeah. Uh, at the same time kind of uh sort of work colleagues walked past saw me singing looked at me <laughs> and went looked at me and then just carried on and um, just one <laughs> but i was there like but yeah but it's that guy's nobody ever had a dream right here. i'm like and it just all came flooding back straight away and i'm like yeah yeah i kind of have that um question of what it's, it's like why why is it taking so many years to re-listen to this album and i just had that right there and then and i'm like and that's probably um, that's why i've probably done a lot of catching up this last week 
Samstown has never been like, I think it's a great song, but it's never been one that's like stuck out in my mind. And then, yeah, when we, when we knew we were going to talk about Samstown today, I was like, all right, well, top to bottom, we got to start this thing off from the beginning. And it's such a great way to like bring everything together. Like with this new era of the killers, like you said, shows that evolution right off the bat. They kind Mm -hmm. of hint at that synth from hot fuss, but then they're like, nope, this is where we're going now. And also the very, the nostalgia of it all is very present in this song too, right? Because naming this song Samstown after the title of the record and knowing that it's tied to this place in Vegas, it still has this hint of like, we're a famous band now. We've had a hit, you know, we sold all these records. We've played huge stadiums, but we're still reminiscing about that small casino or that that gambling yeah. hall that we used to see out the window. I also really think it's clever how the very like end of it, I guess it's more so like the, the bridge or the outro kind of slows down almost into like a drinking song where the mm-hmm. whole band is like, I see London and I see Samstown. And I like that they also bring up London because for me, I think it also kind of alludes to them recognizing that there were people who thought they had that bit of a British UK sound at the beginning, yeah. but then saying, I see London compared to I see Samstown. Now it's like, nope, but we're, this is where we're from. Like we're from Vegas and, and this is who we are. Um, and this is what we're going to explore on this record. Great way to start the album. I also have to say, have you heard the acoustic version of this song? Oh no, I never realized there was one. Gotta check it out. It's a great, great acoustic. I can't remember. I feel like it was at, I want to say church studios or maybe even Abbey Road studios where they, where they did it, but it's a great acoustic version. I'm making a note. I'm making a note. So Perfect. Good. I love the commitment. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to take us on a bit of a different direction from some of the songs that we've been talking about. And I'm going to go to my list, um, which <clears> is <throat> the ballad on the record. It's the ninth yeah ninth song i believe on the record and i feel like what i like about it is that it was very different from the first eight tracks that came before it so i feel like you're listening to the album you have an idea of what's going on and then my list comes in and it kind of flips everything on its head and it just gives you this very soft sweet um very loving ballad which i really like that element of surprise on this record and when brandon spoke to nme he said it was their attempt at a ballad uh he says it's for his wife and he wanted people to believe it like he believes when he hears something that he loves um and near the middle of the song too, it even has that element of surprise where it switches from this acoustic vibe to a fully realized Americana, um, kind of glorious, majestic song. Mm-hmm. And my favorite lyrics of this song, again, are just like going down to the very, the, the sweetness of the song, which is, uh, he says, let me show you how much I care. I need those eyes to tide me over. I'll take your picture when I go. It gives me strength. It gives me patience, but I'll never let you know. I just picture like, I could picture like a couple slow dancing to this. It could be like a first dance at a wedding. I just think it's a very loving tribute to, uh, to Brandon's wife. And that's, that's why I love this song so much. In sequence of the album, uh, when you play it in order, it fits well. And it's a nice kind of break in the flow of um, listening. So you've gone from Bones, which is kind of like their kind of um, single type song. And then you go to the ballad. I mean, if there was a song I'd skip, it'd probably be the list. But that's only perhaps oh, if I'm driving. That's, on- that's usually only if um, I'm perhaps driving and I know I'm not going to listen to the whole album. So it's one of the ones that's like... I'm sorry, but there are better songs after you. So, um, so <laughs> you want to hit so, like the high energy, like the the bangers, so to speak. Yeah, I think it's only failing on the album is that it's 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 kind of like when you watch, when you're seeing a support act and you know all if there's a support act, you got your foot, your opener, your middle, and then your main event. Uh, you sometimes got that kind of strange feeling that you know that the person you're here to listen see is after these. Um, that's that, that's the only fault I've got on this, but it's in the right place. But um, gun to head, I'd probably pick other songs over it. Where do you want to go next, Matt? Um, I want, and well, I'll probably talk about the basically the song that uh, my list gets kicked off for. <laughs> my, this river is wild. 
I've got, a, I've got like, there's a playlist I've got on Spotify called like the best songs ever because they are, and I'll fight anyone who disagrees. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, my best songs ever. And the only other killer song, apart from Mr. Brightside, because Mr. Brightside, I'm an un, I'm an unapologetic defender of Mr. Brightside. Um, and I probably, it probably might be my favorite song of all time, but the only other killer song on that playlist that makes the grade is This River is Wild. And I think it's, yeah. And in my head, this is like the true finale, even though I do quite like, why do I keep counting afterwards? Yeah. It just, I think it kind of, it's, it's like if the interlude and exitude are kind of like encompassing kind of like either almost a play or a musical that like they're showing you Samstown. Um, for me, This River is Wild is kind of like the show stopping number. This River is Wild pretty much throws, I think, the spirit of Samstown into it. It's got so much, so many different moments in it. Hits every moment perfectly. Right. Um, there's the the chorus. The chorus like kind of speaks to me so much. Someone who kind of like has a, a fear of how they are perceived by other people. It's probably the song I relate to the most of the album. I was about twenty twenty one when this came out. Mm. Um, there's so much of it I kind of relate to, particularly of like doubting themselves and um, the onslaught of like self esteem issues and everything. And the chorus just kind of spoke to me on a certain level it's funny because in doing some research on this song apparently it's a very polarizing song to the killers fans like you've got the people like you who love it and think it's one of their best and then you have people who absolutely hate it and don't want to hear it live for me i'm with you i I really like it it's not one of my favorite killer songs but i do think it's very well done and it's so powerful and it moves along at this intense um speed with so much like energy behind it which i think is really impactful i do remember seeing them play it live when i saw them in toronto and i was just like blown away by how everything there was so much going on in the song the entire time like everything is just loud and everything is like at a 10 but it all still works in the grand context and then to have that moment where it kind of comes down near the end and brandon's kind of just speaking like you know he's saying like uh, i've never seen so many i think it says headlights or uh, something like that yeah and he kind of has this um i've always described brandon flowers as being like a like a Las Vegas Elvis. Like he kind of has this weird, when he talks, yeah. you know, it's in the tone, it's in like the timbre of his voice where he almost talks like Elvis. And so hearing him talk at the end, it's very calming, very soothing. And I think that's also a great metaphor for, you know, they use the river as your life. And river is wild. It's going to go on all these twists and turns. And you're not going to be able to see, you're not going to know what sticks with you. Like you're not going to know there's an anecdote in the song where he talks about his friend, Adam, um, who calls, like Adam calls his own mother, like a bitch. In, in this song. And that's mm-hmm. like something that's stuck with Brendan like 20, 30 years later. You know what I mean? Like you don't know those little moments that are going to be so impactful for you later on in your life. And you don't know where that's going to take you and where that, maybe that's going to end up in you being in this huge, crazy rock band. It took me on a journey. The whole song was, was, was a roller coaster for sure. Yeah. I think that it's, I think it's got a very key kind of um, anchor to me as well. Um, to be particularly like uh, mid-teens when I was, at, I mean, my secondary school year, I was, my self-esteem kind of really dipped and I had like a, and like for years and years, particularly in my young adult life, there was like, I had, was like, hit with like low self-esteem issues and everything. I, I can actually remember kind of a, there was like a, a, a few key moments that happened, particularly in my like early, like 22, 23. And I was kind of like really kind of, I wasn't, dep- I don't think I was depressed. It was just like more or less myself, like self-esteem issues and stuff. And I remember asking the question, myself the question of, why do certain people not like me and stuff? And then, then the, the question got flipped and I asked the question, well, do I like me? I don't think the song was playing at the time because I was driving to work, but I do. But the, the, the chorus of this song came out where it's like, should I just get along with myself and I'd never get along with everybody else? And that line kind of resonated and I just realized, and, and like a light switch kind of flicked in my head at that point. And I was thinking, do I like myself? And I went, 
do I need to get along with myself first? And I kind and that kind of like led me towards like, okay, I need to find what I like about myself. And, and I, and I, and I feel that kind of led me to kind of being slightly more assured of who I was as a person and uh, me, like me being me that kind of contribute that, uh, attribute that kind of change in mindset to this song. And I feel like it's had like a positive impact and like my mean stuff. So I feel like I've, I feel like I, I've gotten a lot more confident stuff and like, well, I'm hosting a podcast now and I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to straight, I'm talking to strangers on the internet though. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've, only, I've, only, I've only spoken to people on the phone and stuff and, and this, but this has been going for years and stuff. I, I went all 6,000 miles across the other side of the world on my own um, for, with a bunch of strangers um, around Japan and stuff. And um, I kind of, and, and I've always felt that's kind of me always constantly battling over me of old around right. of this when this time came on and if i had like a soundtrack of my life um i would probably put this over mr brightside just because of that moment i think the impact of it yeah yeah thank you for sharing that like that's i think a lot of people will also find that very relatable i relate to that as well so um and i i won't say anything more because i think you captured that perfectly so thank you for sharing that matt i really no, appreciate no. it so at this point in the show, Matt, um, we're going to move on to some of our final thoughts on the record and then we give it a rating. So before we go into the rating piece of it, we're going to have to, I just want to get your thoughts on overall, how you feel about this record, how you feel about Killers as a band. So can you hit me with some final closing, summarizing thoughts on the Killers? For, for me, they're, they're, very much in, they're very much a part of a me of a certain time, of a certain genre. I mean, they are very much a band that led me to other things um in more ways than one um so they'll always have kind of a soft spot pretty much right in the center of my heart for that sam's town especially um for i always flip flop between whether i like hot fuss and sam's town more i think hot fuss i think i've got more emotional connection to because what it led is what it will eventually led me to um sam's town i think is actually the stronger album with a lot more stronger songs the killers got me off rap music um that's big I think, yeah I think, well no it's, it was a combination of brandon flowers and 50 cent existing i t- i still to this day don't understand why people like 50 cent but um <laughs> he has some, so, he had some hits he had some hits you know he's um, a he had the one he had the one but <laughs> and also i mean aside from i think when i was 14 15 um where i was i was part of a family eating to see the the, the pop group steps for my sister's birthday in like 2000 the killers are technically my kind of first proper gig um it was on the it was may 2004 so it was about a, a month before hot fuss came out because wow. they were promoting the um the mr brightside reissue in the weeks and the days before i sent you a picture of um basically a prepubescent brandon flowers <laughs> Little small baby Brandon Flowers with yeah. that hair. Yeah, the, yeah. The long like, hair, when yeah. was this? When was this taken? It was taken <laughs> in two thousand and four. Um, yeah, that was the first like proper gig I went to. And point, I point, I point out that my if COVID wasn't happening at the moment, um, the fact that my my personal Instagram feed has not had blurry pictures of live bands on it um, for so long. Yeah my friends would actually start getting worried. So yeah. <laughs> live music, going to see live gigs. I mean, I, between 40 and 50 a year I go to. Going to the Killers gig um, in 2004, I was 18 at the time. And God, if the 18-year-old me see, could see me now, like, <laughs> gigs, he'd be like, what the hell? There was um, two support bands. There was a support band called The Departure and a Norwegian kind of digital punk band called Surferosa. And then the Killers started playing. And it was like um, the Carling Academy 2, which is the place 
just closed down now. It's been closed down for years. Um, it's kind of it's really kind of small room. Um, to put it into perspective, it only cost me seven pounds to get in. So yeah, so there's in this kind of small room and stuff. And then they started. I can't remember what song they started playing. Um, in fact, I can't remember much about their set. Um, mainly because. I think when they first started playing, everyone started jumping around me, not realizing I was actually right in the middle of the mosh pit. And oh, we no. experiencing that before. I was like, what the hell? And immediately started jumping, slowly going backwards and thinking, I don't like this. I need like to get this. out of here. Yeah, yeah. So I kept jumping backwards. And, I won't, and then about like a minute passed, and I was jumping, and I like turned around, and people were just standing. So I reached the edge of it. And, and I just then decided to go to the bar and end up buying a bottle of water and then getting shocked it was £2.20 for a bottle of water. <laughs> um, because of because of that moment and just not feeling kind of really weird about that bit, um, I kind of only half paid attention to the actual killers playing. And man, and, so your yourself now is probably wishing that your eighteen year old self was like, "Come on, like look look at what's yeah. happening." Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the other the important thing that happened there anyway was, and this feels like the origin story uh, for for me in terms of me, my music taste um i ended up going to the merch desk and ended up speaking to the lead singer of the support band and the support band called surf rosa and i bought the uh single and i was asking when the album's coming out and stuff and eventually bought the album really loved the album um, the albums were my favorites um but then that kind of led me to just kind of look for just go online and look for other bands that's similar to them what's quite funny is that people attribute killers to go towards what eventually be kind of landfill indie so you led up to like the wombats your maxima parks the holloways subways pigeon detectives those kind of bands i missed all of that so we're pretty much most of like anyone who likes that, that kind of scene will attribute the killers to perhaps introducing them to them bands i attribute the killers for getting me in a completely different direction and yeah. me apparently being the only person that would ever heard of these bands that I like so i kind of feel like an outlier <laughs> because <laughs> um, of that support act kind of led me into like investigating or kind of like just basically searching my own music taste the killers have definitely been a part of your i'm going to use your words a part of your origin story and leading you yes. into the music that you would one yeah. day call your favorite music some of your favorite albums some of your favorite yeah. artists so knowing all of that if we bring it back to just samstown how would you rate this album out of five bone cocktails today um the way i've been talking isn't i cannot go less than five <laughs> I think that's totally fair. I totally think that's fair. I'm going to meet your rating at the five. And what I'll say about, to justify my perfect score there too, is this is a record where, although it's it's one where I'll take breaks and I'll go through times where I won't listen to it and I'll come mm-hmm. back to it like you know you and I just did just now. Every time I listen to it, I'm surprised and I'm intrigued that never goes away. Like there's always more yeah. for me to find out. And whether that's, you know, like, you know, a couple of the fun facts that I learned, which were the, the title of the <clears> track and having it be that, that sign that was outside Mark Stormer's window, learning that the song for reasons unknown is actually about um, Brandon Flowers' grandmother and her struggle with Alzheimer's, like things yeah. that things that I just like never clued into. And yet when I made the time to, to go in and listen and really like let everything sink in, it like, it gets better and better every time I listen to it. It has aged so well in the 14 years that it's been out in the world. This was the killer's attempt at telling everybody, this is who we are as a band. And yes, they've deviated from that, but they've always, they've always come back to, I think, the essence of the killers, which I think is captured in Samstown. So if I met somebody on the street who didn't know who the killers were and wanted to learn more about them, mm-hmm. this is the album that I would point them to. Everything from the cover art to the black and white music videos to the lyrics to everything just works for me in the grand context. This is a perfect sophomore effort. So it's got to be a five out of five for me too. Amazing, amazing record. And Matt, I have to say, thank you so much for coming and, and joining us today, being on the podcast, for being such an amazing guest and for sharing all of your stories, um, for doing so much research and for drinking this very um, dangerous cocktail that we made today. Which, which, I, which I'm actually kind of liking, which is kind of scary. <laughs> 
I mean, like, who knows? Maybe it'll be a new favorite cocktail in the mix. I don't know. I mean, the hot sauce is sketchy, but we're making it work. 